Hi, I'm Elisa, and I'm the Neurodiverse Coach. I help neurodiverse individuals and families find the tools they need and create the lives they love through coaching, education, scholarship, and community support. I just wanted to talk a little bit today about some of the crazy educational experiences that I had uh, growing up as a teenager and in high school. And um, I've mentioned before, I lived in Costa Rica from about 13 to 18, uh, probably 17 and a half. And I, I loved it. I loved every minute of it, even though it was incredibly difficult to progress in my education. There, there was really nothing that I regret about going to school, trying new things, adjusting the way I learned and did things, and just kind of being flexible and trying to move through uh, my life and, and the world around me, despite what was a difficult uh, high school education. And... I'm still learning how to do podcasts. Um, there's probably going to be, an, until I figure it out, there's probably going to be a lot of sounds that um, I will absolutely work on uh, eliminating. But for now, I want to tell you the stories, some of the stories of when I was in high school in Costa Rica. Like I said, it was 13 to 17, and I was held back three times and did not progress past the eighth grade there. Um, I've mentioned now, I think probably three times, maybe longer, maybe more, but um, I was held back three times and I did not progress past the eighth grade in Costa Rica, even though I was there in school, in public school for four years. And what was interesting to me about that whole experience is I never really gave a school or um, a uh, an opportunity to the educational system for more than six months. And I would say probably closer to four months. If it was, if it was four months and I wasn't passing and I wasn't doing well, I'd be like, Nope, next thing. Let's just try the next thing. And so what had happened was when we first moved to Costa Rica, um, and I wish I could remember what year it was, but when we first moved to Costa Rica, we waited probably till the end of summer because we went to Costa Rica in the summer and they're actually in full swing in the school year there um, during the summer. It's right in the middle of their school year. The The time that they take off uh, for, like, their vacation time is, like, two months. Um, I want to say November to January or, like, December to January, but I don't remember exactly. I just know that we had the holidays off and we were out of school for a while. And that was actually summer there because summer here in the United States is, um, their winter time. Like that's monsoon season and it rains all the time and it's colder. It's not cold, but it's colder. Anyways. So we got there in the summer. So like June, July, August of that year, school was in full swing. My mom and dad knew that we were going to struggle to adapt to the language, even though my mom is a native Costa Rican and Spanish speaker and my dad as a non-native Spanish speaker still was very fluent in Spanish. They knew that we didn't have the, um, that we didn't have the level of fluency that we needed to go to school. So we waited. So we got there in the summer 
and we didn't start school until the next semester, which would have been, I, I think January, but it might've been February. So there was like six plus months where we weren't in school. We were immersed in the language. We were, we were out in the world talking to people and family and watching TV. And like we, we were immersed in Spanish, but we didn't actually go to school until six months later or, or longer. And the first school I went to was Napoleon Quesada and, um, and it was high school and I was in eighth grade and my sister was, would have been in, I believe ninth grade, finishing her ninth grade year. Um, and my cousin was there, which is one of the reasons why we went to that school is because we knew somebody there. And I just remember being so kind of overwhelmed by the customs. I hadn't been there since I was, um, a lot younger and I didn't remember all the different ways how people were very warm and a little bit nosy and all these different things. And so it took some time to get used to that, but you know, I failed this semester. Um, and so we moved to a different school and my sister and I actually, um, we did what was essentially a distance learning uh, course. And what we would do is we would go to downtown San Jose, which is the capital of Costa Rica. And there was this school for, um, um, not monks. Oh my gosh. What are they called? Nuns. It was a school for nuns. So it was a Catholic girls school and off to the side, they had rented out a salon. The, the Catholic girls school run by nuns had rented out a salon within the school, within the, I don't know if it was a monastery or, or uh, nuns home, um, for distance learning that was actually, um, run through the public education system there. And I believe it was called the UNED, but I don't remember U N E D. And we did that for a few months. Uh, we took tests. I remember I failed the math tests, even though we would go to school probably two or three days out of the week. And we were there for like four or five hours. Um, and you know, we would, it was, the whole thing was hilarious, honestly. Um, but it was a big deal back then for people to leave high school, go take these tests, do the, do the workbooks. And then they would, um, sorry, they would study, go to class on a different schedule, take these tests. And if they take the te took the test, they would get their, what is, what is considered a high school diploma. Um, you did have to do each year. And I, and I think, you had to get to a certain point to where you could actually graduate from high school. So it was like more like a yearly test versus, um, an actual one time, like GED test. It wasn't like that. Anyways, that didn't go well. So the next, um, couple of things that we tried, my, my parents and I, my sister was there with me. She was, um, she was in high school and she was struggling just as much as I was, um, she, uh, we, we tried a couple of things. My dad had, uh, you know, he worked and he had a few friends and there was one of his friends, I think from church who was like an engineer. He started up a school and we, um, we, we, he went with us. It was kind of funny. I, I'll never forget. He sat in the classroom. My dad sat in the classroom with me and my sister and we're listening to his friend talk about how he gets kidney stones because he drinks, you know, three gallons of milk a day. And it was just so funny because I remember 
like telling my sister, telling my dad, I'm like, I don't know about this school. There was only like five or six kids in, in the actual classroom. And he was doing the same thing. He was renting out a building. Anyways, long story short, it was not where we needed to be. And my dad, uh, had looked for, he had looked for something else because he needs, you know, we, we tried it. We tried it for uh, one or two days. It really didn't go very much further than, um, that trial, the trial day where my dad sat in the classroom with us and we were learning. It was pretty funny. Um, the next thing we did was we tried, we got, we went to a school and we did testing. We did special, like not genius testing, but like it was some kind of testing to find out where our, you know, IQ was or intellect or whatever. And of course I failed it, but they actually, um, they asked me to come back. They're like, we really want your daughter in the school. We think it's going to be great for her. She's really, um, you know, she's really the kind of, the kind of kids were, that we're looking for to, to place in our schools. And the big issue was we saw like me and my sister, we did these tests and we went to the school. The big issue was the reason why we didn't stay and go to the school that, you know, according to them, they said they wanted us to, to join them was because we saw kids smoking outside the classroom and we were kind of shocked. We're like, that's not like a normal thing. And we asked one of the administrators and they're like, oh yeah, we let our kids smoke in, in the classroom, in the classroom. Like they don't even have to go, um, they don't even have to go outside to smoke. And I was like, how, you know, how am I supposed to learn if I'm like choking on cigarette smoke? And they're like, oh, you'll get used to it. And I was like, well, yeah, probably, but I don't smoke now and I don't, you know, I don't want to be hurt by the cigarette smoke. And it was just the craziest thing. I'm taking too long to tell you. I have like four more, four more schools to talk about because that's how many schools I went to when I was there, uh, or tried. And I honestly have lost count at this point, but I went to, I started dating somebody. I, I didn't go to that school where the kids were smoking inside the classroom. They all seemed like hooligans to me and I just didn't have any interest in it. But the next school I went to was called, um, El Tacho, which is again, another school in, uh, downtown San, not downtown San Jose, but in the, in the county province of San Jose. And I was dating, uh, somebody and that's where he went to school. And so I went with him and his brother and my, I don't think my sister ever went there. I think by then she was like, uh, this stinks. I'm not doing any of this. And she was off doing her own thing. And so I went to El Tacho and I was there for one semester and I remember specifically failing math and failing French and French, um, French was really interesting because it was this older gentleman. He wasn't that old, but he was a, you know, middle-aged gentleman. And he asked my parents to come down to the school and he's like, I need to talk to you. She's been trying really hard, but this is not the place for her. This, this school is not going to be what she needs. And I was like, what do you mean? I don't want to leave here. I like the school. I like the people. I, I have friends, you know, my, the guy I'm dating is here and they're like, you're not going to, you're not going to move forward. Uh, if you're here dating, you know, dating this person. And I was heartbroken. I remember not wanting to leave and just kind of feeling like, why can't I stay? But my parents were like, yeah, you know, we, we, we need to be flexible. We need to get you in a school that you, you're going to thrive in. 
And so I think less than a week later, they had me transferred to uh, a all-girl Catholic school. And it wasn't necessarily run by nuns, but it was definitely run by uh, Catholic um, Catholic women who were very um, uptight. I don't really know how else to say it. That was a private school. And I was there for a semester, and I had made two really good friends and I actually it was like one of the only places where I actually thrived because I had I was basically totally accountable for myself for my studies for everything that I was doing and I was learning um I do remember kind of heartbreakingly that I failed this was one of those tests where I I had passed all my other grades I had done well on all the tests you know I was just at that point and I had to take the end of the year math test and I failed it. And they were like, okay, we're going to give you one last chance and you need to study all, all, all break, all holiday vacation break, which I think was two months. And then you're going to come back and you're going to take this test and you ace this test and we'll pass you to the next grade. And I remember so specifically like trying so hard and studying and, and wanting to be there and do well and, and getting tutoring. Like this whole entire time, basically from the time that I started public school in Costa Rica until the time that I left, I was being tutored, uh, specifically math tutoring. And I would switch tutors all the time because I just thought, you know, it wasn't working. I'm, I'm not going to keep working with this person. And so I missed that redemption math test by three points and I wasn't able to graduate to the next school year. And I just remember being like, <laughs> I'm done. I can't keep doing this. Um, and I, so what I did instead was I took a semester off school cause I just, I just needed a break. And at that time we had actually moved our home from a block away from the guy I had been dating to 20 minutes away, which, you know, was enough for, for us to, uh, break apart and for me to really focus not just on my school, but like just, okay. I'm going to take a break from school. I've tried really, really hard for like two years and it's not going anywhere. So I'm just going to do the things that I like and that I'm good at. And in this case, it was construction. And so we, we bought this big house, Costa Rica, uh, like a lot of countries, they don't have big houses, right? You have three bedroom, two bath is the biggest house you're going to get. It's not something that people, um, they, I don't know, they don't waste space. I don't, I don't know how else to explain it, but so we bought this huge house and it actually had, um, it had three bedrooms, but it was like, oh, I don't know, 2000 square feet, maybe 3000 square feet. And it had two floors. And what, what we did is, um, we completely raised the top floor the, the bottom floor was cement and, um, concrete. So, and, and, you know, concrete floor and then a wood ceiling, but the top floor was like, it was crap. And so my dad and I, we just completely demolished it. Like we literally took sledgehammers and broke it down and threw everything away and then started from scratch. And so what I was doing is I was helping my dad, even though he, I believe at the time he had I'll have to ask him, but I believe at the time he had a full-time job, but he would still come home from work and work on the house. 
And so what I was what I was doing is I was since I took this semester off school, I would stay home. I would help my mom with whatever because she was a, a stay at home mom, even though she was in college uh, for most of the time that we lived in Costa Rica. Um, and I would basically prep whatever my dad was going to be doing at when he came home from work. And so I learned uh, different building systems. I learned different framing systems. I learned I learned how to wire an electrical box uh, for an electrical outlet. Um, I learned how to weld. Um, I, I, you know, I, I feel like in a lot of ways I learned a lot. And I, I honestly loved every second of it. The big issue was that I had to wait for my dad to come home and teach me how to do this stuff. And, you know, at the time I still had a social life. So I was, you know, still going out with friends and still going to concerts and, you know, different things like that. But so I was very active. I, I just because I wasn't in school didn't mean I wasn't doing anything, but I took that break and, you know, I still don't regret it. Like I still have a massive fondness for construction. Um, I love the idea of like using your hands to build a home. I think it's one of honestly the best ways to use your time is like what what better than to be able to build a shelter for you yourself and the people you care about um, design is different design is different and I have I struggle with that a lot more especially if it's any kind of design graphic design or computer uh, generated design um, computer computer audit uh, automated design but um, I really do like construction and I still like to uh, practice it today and I have had uh, quite a few opportunities which have been phenomenal for me um, so I took the semester off uh, I was building I was working and building on the house and then at some point I went back to the local high school that was just around the corner so I could walk there every day it was like a five it was probably like a 10 minute walk and it's literally around the corner from my childhood home when we lived there and my parents still own the house so it's uh, pretty exciting every time I every time I walk past it when I go visit Costa Rica and I go stay at my parents house I I kind of look there and I'm like it's a mixture of elation and laughter and frustration um but I tried it and and I remember it's kind of the same thing I failed I went back and I went back for one semester and I failed math French and English and uh, English I think seems uh, seemed a little bit ridiculous to my parents they're like your native language is English you know you shouldn't have failed English and I was like I just don't care I don't care about English it's so stupid you know I'm not actually learning English and to this day I still really really struggle with parts of English like grammar and um, you know just all the different parts of speech and, um, and all the rules, you know, I, I tell, I tell everybody that asks, it's just like, you know, ask me questions about English or Spanish grammar and, and I'm not going to be able to tell you, I, I don't know. I know how to speak, write, read Spanish, English, but I can't teach anybody the proper way to do it. I had to learn it my way. And in my, my way was again, the same. And I've mentioned this in the previous podcast, my way of learning was kinesthetic. 
which meant that I had to use all my senses and I had to have a hands-on learning and I had to kind of immerse myself in whatever it was that I was trying to learn. And that was the only way it was going to stick. So the end result was, you know, I had done all these different semesters. I had learned the language. I had been through all these different types of schooling and education and testing. And it just got to a point where I'm like, you know what? I need a break. I I don't think this is going to work after the last school, which was again, two, you know, the four or five blocks from my house that I could walk to. I just didn't think that it was going to be something that I could continue, not with any, you know, sort of self-respect because I knew I wasn't going to be able to pass it. It was just It wasn't even that the odds were stacked against me. It was just the way the educational system is set up there and probably in other, many other countries. It doesn't allow for flexibility or accommodations or anything like that. And, and while it stinks to think of life that way, I don't think it was a a death sentence for me. If anything, I think it was literally what sparked not just my creativity, um, my, my determination, um, it sparked a love of learning. It sparked the, uh, a, a version of self-love that's to this day has been incredibly valuable to me because the idea that I had to move past what everybody else thought, what they said to me, which honestly sometimes was horrible, um, or the, 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 the blocks that I encountered from all kinds of different people, I had to, that spark, I had to create the spark that told myself, my soul, my brain, my body, that I was valuable, even if I couldn't move to the next grade. Because the reality is, I am valuable, just like you are valuable just like your neurodiverse child or adult or family member or client or person in your world or yourself is infinitely valuable. And it's so important to be able to see not just your value, but to push past any opposition or any devaluing that you might get from any other place, any other source, any other person. Um, and I just, I just want to, you know, wrap up with the idea, the fact that, that, that being able to love myself, to value myself, to learn and love learning, despite what anybody said or did, or if they tried to stop me, was so important to me. It was so important to my brain, to my body, to my self-esteem, to my life. And I just, I really do want to encourage everybody who hears this to know how important you are and how important it is to love yourself and to value yourself with all of your unique and amazing abilities and talents and learning styles and life. And I mean, there's just so many different ways of saying it. Um, so I'll just wrap up this podcast with 
the fact that you are valuable and our neurodiverse people, humans, life, loves, populations, communities, all of these neurodiverse, um, this neurodiverse spectrum is so important. And I hope you guys never forget that. And I just want to say that and sign off and let you know again last time. I'm Elisa. I'm the neurodiverse coach and I help families find the tools and create the life that they love. Thanks.